Welcome to Hattrick City on WXCI 91.7, Danbury's only all-hockey radio show. Uh, I know that some in our audience don't know the finer points of hockey. You want me to dummy you again? Hattricks, baby! Woo-hoo! Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Hattrick City. I'm your host, DJ Patty Cake, as always joined by Dean Joel Gomat here in the WXCI studios. This week, we don't have too much to talk about, but we do want to talk about one historic thing to start off this episode. Uh, the PWHL, the Professional Women's Hockey League, had their opening week. Um, pretty historic for numerous amount of reasons. Um, a lot of big sellout crowds. Um, New York was able to get their first, pretty much the first shutout in the league's history against Toronto in Toronto. Um, and then they also had their home opener over in Bridgeport. So, you know, big week for, you know, the sport and for women in the sport. Um, Matt, did you get to catch any of it? I really didn't get to watch big portions of the games, but I did notice two things that I think are going to make the game way more exciting. Uh, maybe even three things. First of all, this league looks pretty well organized. Um, the thing is, they can't back out of these arenas. They look good. The game yeah. looks good on TV. That's where it has to stay. They can't, you know, now move back to a small facilities. But I think the things that I really liked, I love this idea that um, a shorthanded goal yes. ends a power play. It sounds great. It's a new rule change. Listen, nobody's... You know, chip pucks in, chip pucks out. More like more than me. You know, it's uh, I'm kind of an old school guy. I like to dump the puck in the zone, and then make the other team kind of you know make a mistake trying to get it out of there, and kind of almost score all the time that way. Um, but listen, uh, you know, it definitely you have you have the opportunity to ice it. Uh, you know, no icing, but now to have the opportunity to kind of end your your disadvantage by scoring a shorthanded goal, I think that's going to make hockey more exciting. It's obviously something that if the NHL is involved, they probably want the PWHL to test this. Yeah. You know what I mean? And uh, I thought that was great. And I also I also noticed that it does look like they're allowing a fair amount of contact. I know. I was pretty happy with that too. A lot of, a lot of nice hits, you know, that were going by. And, you know, from the time that I worked in the PHF, I was like, this is a million times better already. I don't think that um, creating a non-traditional version of hockey is going to necessarily endear um, pro hockey fans or even college hockey fans uh, to watch, you know, women's professional hockey. I think it has to be authentic hockey, and I think so far we've seen some of it. I like I said. There's an exciting rule change that I that I think probably would make most hockey better. Probably definitely make beer league hockey better. Um, and there's also, uh, you know, now a little bit of uh, the element of physicality that you hadn't seen there. Um, we saw a lot of skill. Pat, you yeah. know, Pat's wearing the Connecticut Whale um, shirt right now. I hope they don't go with that name for this league or anything <laughs> no. like that. It's you know they're gonna, they're, they're playing out of Bridgeport um they are playing at UBS I think tonight yeah they're playing tonight as which is Wednesday night yep, against Ottawa uh yeah so at the end of the day it's great to see that opportunity Pat and I saw a lot of skill or, uh, Montreal rather sorry. is Kennedy Marchment in this league 
Um, I think she's on the Players Association board. I don't believe she's playing. Yeah, like she was a skilled player that played here last season. I know she was. She was fun to watch. Is um, Grant uh, Mentis? Um, um, Michaela. Um, Marquise is she's. She, I think she's with Ottawa, right? Is she? Yeah, yeah, she's. I think. With Ottawa. I'll, I'll double check that too. Maybe not, but again, there's the. Uh, Marquise Grant meant this his sister. Marquise, who played actually briefly for the Hattricks yeah. uh, last season, the first game of the season. Yep, PWHL Ottawa. Uh, his sister is one of the top players in women's hockey, and she is with Ottawa. So, yeah, it's great to see uh, the league take off. Uh, it's the birth of a new sports league. Again, you're, you're entering a really crowded crowded market. It's, even at this time of the year, there's still NFL going on. There's still college football going on. There's still all types of college hockey, middle of the pro season, middle of the college season. So um, that's what's up against it. But I do think that these could be fun events. Um, it has to grow like the WNBA did. I think the WNBA was like 16 games the first season, something like yeah. that. So it's, it's going to have to grow. Yeah, it's it's definitely going to be a fun one to watch. Um, we definitely got to try and go down to a game at least once when they're in Bridgeport. I think they play there at least like four or five more times. So that'd be interesting to go. But um, speaking of New York, so the boys took a trip to New York uh, for the weekend going against Elmira and Watertown and winning both games, riding that momentum from those two Binghamton games they played to end out uh, the year of 2023, um, taking down Elmira 6-1, to one, followed by a 5-3 to three win in Watertown the next night. Um, it's nice to see what this team is becoming now. They're they're start. I know I said this a little earlier on um, in the in the season, but they, they I do feel from what I've heard from players and then what I see on the ice, they're they're gelling a lot more, and this this roster is becoming a little more complete. Um, it's it's really nice to see it kind of really get into what it was last year. I mean, at this time, so I mean, Matt, what are your what are your thoughts on this past weekend? You you said it pretty good there, Pat. I mean, I think the team. Um, is starting to gel now after having been retooled. We're seeing a, a very different um, roster than we saw um, with the championship run. You know, there's a lot of new faces. Um, there are some familiar faces. Johnny Ruiz has been playing out of his mind. Uh, it just uh, incredible. I really got to tip my ta- uh, my cap to him. Or throw it on the ice for that hat trick he had on Friday. Yeah, just incredible. <laughs> Johnny uh, is uh, really one of the most talented scorers the the league has, and uh, he's he's got an an element of effortless mastery that he plays with at this point. And and really, it's it's meant to been a big difference maker this season, if you ask me. But um, at the end of the day, uh, the, it's a, it's a retooled roster. And I think things are starting to change a little bit. And it's going to be a big test against Binghamton this weekend. I love this rivalry. I tell my buddies to drive up here when we're playing Binghamton, you know, from the city. It's like, hey, this is the weekend you want to be here. Uh, Even if you just come up for Saturday night, get up here, you know, because, uh, again, it's it's starting to be something that we always thought it could be um, with Danbury. It's like now we got a great rival in Binghamton, a city that they love hockey there as much as we hate them, and they're all pains in the asses. Um, uh, This is good for the league. 
It's yeah. a good rivalry. It is. It, it's it's getting attention beyond the small uh, circle that that the Fed used to just exist in. You know, so um, I'm excited for this weekend. I, I honestly can't wait. And uh, if you want to hang out with us, Pat and I are b- working both junior games. Asterisks on both. Ooh, you know. I won't I won't be there on Saturday <gasps> all day, unfortunately. I have to work in Bridgeport. I have to do video board. But Friday I'll be there. Um, I'll be announcing both the junior game and the pro game. So if you want to hear me announce for, I think, the third time in the Fed, definitely come down on Friday. Um, but I am excited to see how this you know this series is going to go this weekend. Um, also, Jake Schultz has returned to Binghamton from Worcester, uh, wow. a personal favorite of mine. Um, so interesting to see how he is back in the lineup and how they kind of work them back in um again i expect nothing but great hockey this weekend i mean to end out 2023 that was a nice series against them so again i think it's it's going to be another big weekend so it's one that you just really can't miss absolutely so without further ado stay tuned for our great interview with leah murray ladies and gentlemen welcome back to hatrick city this week on the show, we got goaltender Liam Murray on the show. Liam, how are you doing today? Great. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Uh, Liam, it's it's great to finally have you on the show. You know, have a fellow Hattricks goaltender. We've already had, you know, Connor McCollum on the show, so we figured it'd only be right to have you. Um, tell us, I mean, you know, you're coming from Mississippi into Danbury. How have you enjoyed your time so far here in Danbury? I love it. Um, it was a lot closer to my uh, school at UMass Boston um, last year, so it was uh, it was easy to step right in. And then coming into the locker room, meeting the guys, um, I was pretty much they had their arms wide open for me right away. So I've been loving it. I've been excited and keep uh, keep going with it. Of course. And then um, I also want to ask you know about your time in Mississippi. I mean, how did this, how does it kind of like differ from from at least up here in the East Coast, minus the weather? <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, the hockey, I feel like, is a, a lot stronger here. Um, there's a lot better systems. Um, it it seems like uh, guys love hockey here. And it's not just the guys on the team. It's the fans. They, they appreciate hockey. They understand hockey. Um, and that has nothing against Mississippi, obviously. Their fans were great, and the people there were great. Um, but it's it's good to be in a hockey town, and that's a huge difference that I've noticed so far. Speaking of hockey towns and not hockey towns, I guess were you born in Fort Lauderdale? Is that where you're from, or? Yep, yep. I was born and raised in Fort Lauderdale. Wow. So Fort Lauderdale was before you were born, probably in your, maybe not even in your parents' era, just a little before that, was like one of the most hopping towns in America for spring break. That was like a party. There's some great documentaries about it and footage on YouTube. What's it like today? Is it still a good place to hang out? Oh, yeah. I mean, when I was in school, the guys were always telling me, hey, I'm coming down to Fort Lauderdale. Or, I, I mean, I was in three different schools, and I would have text messages from schools that I were in the past that guys were like, hey, I'm coming <laughs> for spring break. Are you going to be there? Um, and, I mean, I funny enough, I actually live next to the oldest bar in Fort Lauderdale is Elbow Room. Wow. I'm, I'm walking distance yes. from it. So. I know that's a it's a big name for a lot of people for spring break, oh, yeah. so it's very close. <laughs> a lot of people don't know that when the drinking age in America was 18, like Fort Lauderdale, they were talking about like a half a million people a week 
oh, descending yeah. on Fort Lauderdale. Today, it's probably like maybe a hundred thousand people come. Oh, it still might be more than that. You it's, think it's it's packed? The beaches get packed. Um, traffic's crazy. Uh, yeah, a little ridiculous, but there's still a great. great um, there's a great documentary called Spring Broke. Uh, and it really chronicles if you can find it out there if you're interested in the like kind of some classic American kind of kind of history I guess you would say of de- definitely of spring break spring broke and it just goes into what a wild town Lauderdale was on the beach and all that I mean kids were doing cra- you know unfortunate events led to it kind of like ending kids were like jumping off roofs and trying to make it into pools and just it was getting to be tragic situations uh uh, related to that but like uh you know we don't you know we associate it with a lot of things we don't really associate it with hockey that much but i guess i guess the panthers are close enough to lauderdale right so yeah i mean panthers are close um we also have tampa tampa bay which is about five hours but yeah. it's still close um over the years and i mean it's crazy how much florida has grown hockey um the just Two or three few examples is uh, Jacob Chikrin from the NHL. He was drafted, I think, first or second overall. Jack Hughes. Basically, all the Hughes brothers were from Tampa mm-hmm. there. Yeah. And then that's just some small, like some big names. But there's so many more. Um, Randy Hernandez, who I grew up playing with, um, he's a uh, Cuban-American. His parents actually came over on a raft there. Wow. Uh, um, and he did not know what hockey was until he was skating around, free skating one day, and got picked up. And he's now at Canisius. He played for Team USA and TDP for two years. Um, and, I mean, I can only imagine where he's going to go after his school. Um, so how does it work for you? You're, you're growing up in Florida. You want to reach the next levels. Uh, you know, obviously, that, that puts you on the track to go to college hockey. How do you – what's your – what's the kind of the path for you? Is it high school hockey? And then so how does it go? Yeah, so it's – there's different tracks for um, Floridians for hockey. Um, I took a different route than a lot of my teammates. Um, we played double A up until my U16 year, then I played triple A. Um, and then, funny enough, it was actually one of my worst seasons ever, was my second year of U16. Mm-hmm. And I played one good game against the number one team, and I happened to have a lot of scouts there. And I was recruited to play for a team in Michigan called Honey Baked Ham in the triple A. Um, so I was fortunate enough that my mom ended up moving up with me to Michigan at my U16 year. Wow. At my U8, uh, first, second year of U16. Um, and so that's where kind of my career really picked up. Um, I know there's a lot of other guys in my team that went and played prep. Um, that was a big, big step for a lot of the guys. Um, just South Kent. Uh, I know Exeter is another one, big name. Um, sure. There's a lot of them. Um, and that's a different route, obviously. Um, and then obviously when I was in Michigan, big uh big hockey state so that kind of helped me out a lot and i got a lot of experience from there you ended up playing a couple of games in the nahl for the wilkes-barre Stratton uh knights which hockey fans if you're keeping track they are now the danbury junior hat tricks uh so uh that was in the nahl what what was that experience like like you, you get up to those levels kind of looks like you get an opportunity there and then how, how does the road kind of um uh, fork for you um so funny story actually with my u16 year at honey baked i did really well um i think at one point i was 18 and 0 um with a really obviously a really good team uh, that was in front of me um so 
I had looks to play juniors that year. However, being from Florida, not knowing where to go, didn't have a lot of people telling me how where to go. I didn't know where to play in juniors. I didn't know the null was a thing at that time. And I had calls to the null, and I said no, because I had no idea what it was. It wasn't until my second year, when I was in Meyer U18, that I was able to play, play well again my U18 year, and then I get called, luckily, as an emergency situation at the end of the season to play for Wilkes, um, and I got to see playoff games. Um, so that was a really great experience, and that kind of led me into my next year of juniors that I was able to play in. That So that was with the Jersey Hitmen. Was that at Ice Vault and Wayne? Yep, yep. And that was once the home of the New Jersey Outlaws, a team mm-hmm. for which... Uh, Billy McCreary won a championship with. Not in that building. I, maybe it wasn't that building. I didn't I even know, know that. Wow. Yep. Yeah, the New Jersey Outlaws. One year, a one-year entry, and, and then they moved to, we, we tell this all the time, then they moved to Williamsport, Pennsylvania, and planned to play the entire season outside, and it worked up until about January, or it really didn't work. Um, so then, then you get back to the NAHL. So, Actually, funny story is that before that, I was actually in the USHL. Okay, what happened? Um, I a lot of lot of uh, things were uh, out of put with the null and where I was going to play at the beginning of the season. I luckily got a call a week before I was leaving to go to Janesville Jets in the null that Lincoln Stars in the USHL needed a goalie. So I was like, absolutely. So I was able to live in Nebraska for a month. I got a game there. Um, I think I played Omaha in Lincoln's rink, which was really great because that's a huge rivalry and packed house. Um, it was preseason. And then after that, um, they end up trading for another goalie. It was in a trade, and I was released. And that's where then I went to New Jersey. So then I went to New Jersey, and then I went to Brookings after that in the, the blizzard. Where in is South Brookings? Dakota. South, South Dakota. Dakota. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. Wow, so very small, very so small town. You're heading around. What's what's the game atmosphere like in Brookings for the Brookings Blizzard? So they're no longer a team. However, well, they're St. Cloud now, I think, is the Norseman. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I was in Brookings, funny, funny enough, it's about an hour from Sioux Falls. There's about two or three stores in there. It's it's very tiny. The biggest thing there is 3M, the the big company. Yeah. So they have their own private st- airstrip and everything. Um, but the town closed down for the games. They they loved hockey. Wow. Um, we definitely sold out a lot of the games. Um, and obviously SDSU, South Dakota State University, is right there next to Brookings. Um, so, but it was great. I mean, I loved it. Um, it was definitely interesting for a lot of guys that live in cities that have no idea um, what it's like to live out. Not in the country, just live out where there's not a lot there. Yeah. So, but it was a great experience. I loved it. So then you do this like kind of college tour here that that starts in Pennsylvania, right yep. at Wilkes. What was the what was the comeback there? Was it uh, what was the, the draw there? Um, yeah, I just traveled a lot in juniors, and I I just wanted to stick somewhere at home, and I got an opportunity to play college pretty early as a true freshman, and I was just like, well, I'd rather go play for a school that I know I can't get moved around. Um, and then be able to fight for a spot and really play. So then I decided to go to Wilkes because they was a they were giving me a good offer. Actually, with X right is the other is the other guy on the team, Xavier Abdella, who I just ran into him and his mother at uh, Minas Carne. 
just around the block hey, here. Shout out, Van shout Murray. out, Renas. Um, so you go there and you play once. You get in a couple. What's the obviously train? So what a lot of people don't know is that really the, the transfer rules are a little different actually in in hockey and in I think. I think D3, you don't actually have to sit out. Yeah, so D3, you don't have to sit out. You don't have to redshirt a year. However, D1, you do. Right. They they, they started, well, they well they started eliminating all that. Well, it, it basically, since the name, image, and likeness thing, mm. that's pretty much eliminated. And you COVID could, as well. Right. COVID. You could play right away. You could transfer and play right away. Um, but I don't think a lot of people realize it was pretty much decidedly that way it, it's a retention thing right especially for smaller colleges uh for a while and in, in it, for some reason it had never spread to college football and basketball but pretty much all the other sports you were able to i think technically somehow play the next season so you were able to just keep playing huh yeah, when you make these yeah. you make two moves and and so you go to wilkes university which is it's scranton area right yep yep and um, then you transfer to Bethel University, which I think is in Minnesota, yep, right? Yep, yeah. Yep. So, so what's what's the draw there? I mean, is it a goalie coach that sends you out there? A guy you it know? Was, so it was just it was tough. I I I got a few games playing, um, and I won both of them. And I just really wasn't getting an opportunity there. I was backing up every game, and at Wilkes. At Wilkes, and I just. I thought there was other things involved, obviously that uh, obviously can't be spoken about, but. Uh, <laughs> Um, yeah, I just I decided that it was best for me to look for other schools. Um, I got one of my um, coaches from past kind of suggested Bethel as an option. Um, what I was really looking for is a school, a D3 school with engineering, because I was studying engineering at the time. I, uh, I was doing mechanical engineering, and Bethel was one of the few schools that has mechanical engineering and has a D3 hockey program. So that was a big big plus for me so I was able to transfer to Bethel um, again played a few games I had a rough start my first games there so it didn't help my <laughs> cause for playing more games um, then I got some other opportunities in the past and later on in the season but by then it's already too late then obviously COVID hit um, we left before this uh, school year ended and then I just thought it was in my best interest um, to then move again to now UMass Boston wow so it, it's a, a lot trifecta. of schools. It's a lot of schools. <laughs> That's interesting. And, I mean, I got to be honest. Now, just speaking in terms of college, we are we are on the campus of Western Connecticut State University, so it's not, like, totally off-brand. But, I mean, you go from Wilkes-Granton is a nice enough place that people do enjoy hockey there. Not the, there's a great wings place I like out there. And, obviously, the guys from Spitting Chicklets are always talking about different spots out there. So uh, I got to give props to Scranton, but – I mean, I don't know what goes on near Bethel University, but then you kind of hit the jackpot. You get to go to school in Boston, right? Oh, yeah, and that's, I mean, the coach definitely sold that. He's like, like, hockey's great, school's great, but you're also in Boston. You go to Bruins games, you go to Fenway games. There's The nightlife there is amazing as a almost a senior at that point. What did you study then? Uh, I finished, so I ended up uh, switching over to electrical engineering. And funny enough, I just graduated. I'm getting my diploma as of yesterday. That's awesome. Congratulations, Thank you. We appreciate it. Good. You stuck with it through, you know, looks like a, you know, several pro games now, uh, you know, your your career, and you you finished off. That's great, man. Let's see, how many years 
and three schools and about seven or eight games or something like how that. How many it was... years later, buddy? Let's oh, see. Yeah. This guy's a Van Wilder of oh, of, yeah. of, of uh, <laughs> the Fed. I just I just really wanted to experience the school life and That's good. see everyone's different uh, schools. <laughs> well, you know what it is. I think it's interesting for a goalie, and I've actually started to see this in in a little bit in Major League Soccer. Um, you know, uh, a lot of the kids that were going to go this academy, like it's a little different. Just in soccer, right? In Major League Soccer, a lot of the kids that were going that academy route a few years ago are saying, "Hey, this is stupid. I'm going to turn pro. They can cut me whenever I want. I could be cut and ineligible to go back to college at 19 or 20." It's just like, yeah, I made forty thousand dollars a year, but like now I can't go back to school and be on the University of Virginia soccer team that gets a couple of thousand students at every yep. game, and like yep. I'm going to miss out on that whole experience. Like the junior thing is. It's a great concept, right? And it's basketball, and basketball has been fighting it for years, right? Like figuring out some alternative. So basically, like junior hockey becomes an alternative to your last year of high school, yep. last couple of years of high school, and your first year or two of college, right? Like how many years junior do the guys get? Two, four? I would say about three or four. Right. Um, and it's like I had that route where I was, I pretty much was offered a spot in the OHL and I decided I want to go to college I want to play hockey so I I didn't know really much about the OHL and what their offers are but I knew if I went to college I'd be able to get a degree and if hockey never turns out I finished with a degree and that's yeah. the biggest thing for me and you blow your NCAA correct I, even if you practice correct. In the OHL. if you go to one tryout you blow your so you used to be you it, can sit out a year I think it is now oh really yeah so I have a friend that's now playing at Stevenson and he, I think he sat out last year, and yeah, that was so his first year. And he something? was no, he was in the O for a full year, I think. Wow! So I think it's per year you play or something. I don't know exact rules. Don't quote me on there, it. But. Like I said, there might be some flexibility. And obviously, we, we've had it on the last couple of episodes that if you play Canadian, you could play pro and go back to you could play in yep. the NHL and go back to Canadian college and be yep. on the yep. team. But yeah, just if these OHLs and the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League, some guys, sometimes guys go to these these tryouts under fake names. So that if they get picked, they say, actually, yep. my name is this. Da, 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 I didn't want you to... And that's, that's what they were selling me on is, hey, come do the tryout at least. Come come, come look at it. You blow your... Ins- well, your, they wanted yeah. me to pay for everything. So that's oh. so that's where you... If they start paying for things, that be, considers you a professional, I think. And yeah. that's where you kind of get into that really tough area of NCAA. We, we've seen that, I mean, even a few years. Like We, we see that pretty... I don't know how often. I mean, the, the example that comes to mind for me is the kid from Long Island. His family had a bar out there in Freeport, Long Island, Brocco's. Jeremy Brocco, who played, um, he played for Boston College for like a month or two and then ended up, uh, I believe it was in the OHL of a Kitchener or something like that. So it's just like one of those things where it's like the college track is not for everybody. But I think that for the goalies especially – and like I was saying about Major League Soccer, that it's some of these kids are saying, hey, what's the point of just kind of dropping out or going into this minor league minor league thing? I blow my NCAA. I can't get a degree. And with the transfer rules, if you're really good at one school, you can re- you can basically find your way to a, you know, a really good school and say, hey, I, I want to do a grad year. You know, let's say you finished your career at Central Connecticut State as their best soccer player. But let's just say you have a year of eligibility left. Well, 
you could go transfer to St. John's University or UConn and play for them. You know, and probably see a lot of minutes because they say, hey, you're an older guy, you're 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 yep. um, you're all warmed up. So I, I just think in the in the in the college hockey thing, it's there's a lot of opportunity for guys than if you kind of just stick with the junior thing, you know? Yeah, I'm, I totally agree with that. So since you've been here, what's kind of your impression of the of the Fed been? It looks like you went to some SPHL camps. How? What was your road to Danbury after UMass Boston? So um, after school at UMass Boston, my coach was able to get in contact with um, Delaware Thunder, which now doesn't lo- no longer exist, um, and got me an opportunity there to go see what the Fed is about, go get a professional game. Um, so I was able to go there, um, experience practice for a week, and then they threw me headfirst straight into a game against Columbus, which oh. was number one in the the league, and Delaware was a struggling team. Yep. Um, so I, I I felt I did well. However, seven goals is still tough. Um, I let up. What time is it? Seven past Murray. <laughs> oh, oh, no. <laughs> but like I said, you know, um, a lot of guys – I think that's one thing that you look at in the Fed. The one thing that I can say, and I give all the guys who play credit, but when you look at a Delaware team, when you look at the Steel uh, the Steel City Warriors from like a while back, when you look at Berlin, New Hampshire, when you look, all of those teams that were kind of short-lived and not really well-funded, a lot of good players came out of them. Yeah. Uh, the Steel City Warriors, a guy that everybody in Danbury loves, uh, Nick Levesque, played with them Nicola Levesque well uh Charlie Bedard who was my roommate for a little bit and then obviously he's now in the SP did he play with Berlin no he played with uh Delaware he played with uh there you go that's a perfect example so what I'm trying to say is is it's almost like these these Delawares these Steel City Warriors the the uh I'm trying to think of other teams that have been around I mean even um even the famous uh Battle Creek. I was going to say the Rumble Bees. <laughs> a couple of guys came out of that. Yeah. I, I'm pretty sure. And uh, I mean, get, Susie go, was one. Susie was the one that was coming to my mind too. Uh, the the other person, Houston Wilson, that was in Elmira, and then now is in he was with Delaware, but he was also in the coast at the beginning of the year. That's right. Mm-hmm. Um, he went straight to the coast a lot this year. The other guy I'm thinking of for Delaware is Trevor Babbitt. Yep, yeah. yep, yep. Uh, the other Big guy one. I'm thinking of with Mentor, uh, which they seemed like they had something going on there. I, I don't know, you know, what, what, what ended up happening there because of COVID, but Gordy Bennell, right? Oh, yeah. Didn't he start out with Mentor? Yeah. I'm pretty I'll, sure. I'll even double-check that. Hold on. Pretty sure. Uh, so there have been guys that got that opportunity somewhere else, uh, you know, kind of – you know, one of these teams that kind of doesn't quite um, being as competitive as you'd hope that they had been at times. But again, it it's almost like an opportunity showcase. Guys really do come out of those teams and, and, and end up being in the league for a few years or even end up moving on. Yeah, yeah. Played a full season with Mentor before it, coming so it, here. It's just an idea is that, you know, like, the, the again, the Fed – really has grown in the last couple of years they you know we're, we're back up to like pre right i think we're back up to the same numbers we had pre-covid yeah, yeah pre-covid in terms much. of teams and that means there's more jobs than there were and um i mean uh adamo Asselin and his brother they're now looks like they were playing with baton Rouge. Yeah, 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 
They're so, always fighting. Right. <laughs> oh, yeah. They're always they fighting. Were, when I was in Mississippi, they were always fighting the guys. <laughs> Both of them, always together. They are. Um, every single time. Those two guys. So it's just like the list goes on and on. I really wish um, that, yeah, that there could be more stable local teams. But at the end of the day. Yeah. Well, I've heard there's some big rumors coming around that some of the there's some new teams coming into into the works. What do you heard, Liam? I've heard that there might be a Texas team. I've heard that um, what's the team that used to be um, that was an SP team as well. Um, it might be coming back as well. Uh, Danville. Yeah. That's oh, what yeah. I heard that. And then Danville, I, heard I think, one. is done. I was going to say, they got approved for that. Yep. No, just I think that's done. And then getting uh, it ready. rumor has, and I have no idea, don't quote me on this, uh, Atlantic City might be having a team. We've only been talking it on this show for a few years, but I, I just – you they know, were they were bringing it up this year. Was, um, I was gonna say. I think we it, brought that up the last episode too. We I I don't I text you didn't I about this? I don't know if we ever mm. talked about it on the show. We we've just kind of been in and out so much yeah. lately. But the Texas thing makes perfect sense. Perfect. Oh yeah. Sense. I was it, gonna say I saw your thing on Facebook about that. That's what I was trying to pull up. Like I I I thought I like almost circled it. Like there was a like right on the map. Yeah, um, you had how it made sense with like the southern division with yep. it being like in line with like Mississippi. Well, I think they're having a uh, neutral site games there this year is what I was heard when I was in Mississippi. I was going to say they usually do that for the new teams. They did that for Mississippi. They did that yep. for Baton Rouge. So and they sell they sold up both times. I, I was going to say yeah. They Mississippi is huge too. It's 11,000 I think and they were selling out and then Baton Rouge I heard sold out one of the games and then had really good fans the second game. Yeah, or vice versa, whatever it was. I say they those usually turn out those exhibition ones. I'm I'm eager to see how and this Texas one works out. I did hear the LSU cheerleaders were there, or not the cheerleaders, the gymnastics oh, crew. Oh, so Livy Dunn was there, I think, at one <laughs> point too. That's neat. Um, so if we're looking at a map here, um, I think that they should bring a Florida team in. I mean, it's tough with uh, the SB team there and uh, a lot yeah. of coast teams, but. I mean, obviously being a Floridian, it would be huge having a Florida team. So if you have, if you have Baton Rouge and Biloxi, it's a straight line. Let's just say from Baton Rouge to Biloxi to Beaumont, Texas, where the West Texas Wildcatters played in the ECHL. So it's that's like, let's just see. Baton Rouge. Baton to Rouge is like two hours, I think, was when we when we would drive there. Baton Rouge to Beaumont, Biloxi to Beaumont is five point five hours. Yeah, Oof. five and a half hours. Uh, Biloxi. Let's see, and then. And I want to say Columbus to Biloxi was about four, four and change. And then. Baton Rouge to Beaumont. Two hours forty nine minutes. Yeah. Yeah. So so the point that I'm trying to say is is like it makes sense geographically. What we've always said it's so hard in the northeast. And we, we say it all the time. The northeast is in the spots where the population is heavy, it's saturated with sports. In the portion where the population's a little thin, there are there are less opportunities to see stuff. And there's usually like a ton of small colleges kind of trying to eat up the Marketing yep. dollars and yeah. all this. So, like I said, it's 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 always we we say it on the show every single week. I'm sick of saying it. It's always going to be kind of a battle for Danbury, even to have healthy opponents. You know what I mean? We yeah. were, we already made that swap in the division this year, where now 
Motor City's in our division, and Blue Ridge is in the other division. So I feel like Blue Ridge makes more sense than the other one, though, in terms of one hundred percent. Yeah, in terms of what it is, but obviously the the replacement wasn't going to really make sense, at least for for our division. Like any one of because it was going to be one of those teams. It's really interesting because it, it it's really interesting because sometimes you hear about places in the U.S. where they want to put pro sports like. Like uh, Hampton Roads area, Norfolk area, like all these places where, you know, well, we'll put an NBA arena in Norfolk if we can guarantee the team. You know, we'll put the biggest arena in the world. Like what a G League in Norfolk. Like that's what I'm trying to say. So at the the end of the day, it's 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 frustrating when there aren't like more teams right here in the Northeast that want to play against Danbury, want to play against Binghamton, want to play against, uh, you know, even. We say it all the time, but anyway, let's let's say something different. What has it been like? You got in a couple of games in December. What's it been like playing for Danbury? Uh, it's great. I mean, I was lucky enough to play a home game recently, um, and I mean, it was crazy. I mean, how many fans were there? It was. I think there was standing room open only. Yeah. And I mean, I could. I was struggling to hear the refs because it was so loud at some points. Um, but I, I mean, I love it. I I enjoy it. The fans are great. Um, I, funny enough, have watched the documentary the, on Netflix and seen some of the same fans, and I'm kind of, <laughs> I'm a little bit of fanboy over it. That that's was awesome. pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, I don't Who's your favorite fan so far? You have like a fan that's like kind of been had your back a little bit, or not? A, I, I'm not really on anyone on first name basis yet, uh-huh. but um, there's been a, quite a few that have been super nice to me and just been welcoming from the start. So I mean, I haven't. I don't think I have a favorite yet. How about that? There you go. Yeah. Who's your roommate? Um, I have Colby Audette right now. Okay. Okay. So he'll he, be he'll be the next one to come he, on this. Yeah, <laughs> he's he's a great guy. Does he keep the room tidy or what's the story with him? Yeah, no, I mean both him <laughs> and because uh, I had uh, Charlie Bedard too before yeah. he left. Um, both of them have been great roommates. Um, I'm kind of a clean freak myself, so uh, I think when he walked in and noticed that, he, I think he was able to respect me and I appreciate that a lot and when actually did you get here right you so I got traded from Mississippi I think November 30th I found out after practice or mid practice uh long story of that but uh then I I was able to fly out because we had games against Motor City Mm -hmm. um so I flew out that morning I think it was had maybe three hours of sleep jumped on a plane and came in um, and dressed for both those games. And then I was able to get my truck up here eventually after that. Wow, that's awesome. Wow. What was it um, What was it like kind of playing down in Biloxi for a while? Like what's the vibe outside of the rink, like around town? You know, we, we, we kind of always ask guys, we know it's a kind of a casino town and a beach yeah, town. Did, yeah. you guys, did you guys spend a little time going out? Or? Um, not as much going out, um, but we definitely – the casinos are awesome, honestly. <laughs> yeah. uh, you like to play? Um, a little bit. I dabble, <laughs> not not too, not too much. I try to save my money. Uh, Smart man. But mom and dad the, are listening. Yeah. <laughs> hey. uh, the Hard Rock had a nice pool, so the the boys would sneak in. Like uh, a big pool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah. the boys would be able to sneak in. Um, there were some really good restaurants on the beach. Um, one of the guys was uh, dating 
uh, a daughter of one of the restaurant owners, so we were able to go there sometimes. We don't have a pool. No, we, no, no. <laughs> no. We don't have a pool. It was, it was a great. It was a great spot. We don't have a pool in Danbury. We just have flooded streets. <laughs> I was gonna say, yeah. You can go to the Danbury Mall. They got a <laughs> like a huge puddle in the there parking lot. Yeah. That would be a, Pat. You just came up with a great idea. I think Danbury needs a casino slash pool in the parking lot of the mall. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> that would be. A moneymaker. That's what that would that be kind of crazy. <laughs> that would like I mean that mall's already trying to be. Wasn't like, there a casino near the near the Delaware team too, right? Yeah, I could see it from my. my Did house. you go to it or? Uh, yeah, I went there a couple <laughs> times. I got food there. Oh yeah, you had dinner. Uh, well, neat. Yeah, I mean I, the reason I signed with Mississippi was for multiple reasons. Um, I I really do, and I speak can speak very highly of Joe Pace. Um, I know he can have some tough situations with guys and mm-hmm. fans and whatever however he really does care about the players and that was something i respected and i saw while i was there um but then also mississippi is literally just florida's Pens- like the pensacola uh area just stretched out it is mm. biloxi is literally just florida it's the same <laughs> it was mm. the exact same and i felt right at home like i didn't even move out of florida and that was that was a That's big neat. thing that was nice was like i moved I think it was I think it was a 13-hour drive, and I still felt like I was in Florida. Are your parents from Florida? Uh, no. So my mom's from South Africa. Wow. And my dad is from New York. So did you have? I mean, South Africa is not really a hotbed for hockey, but were your parents at all into it? Or? Yeah. So my dad grew up playing um, okay. on the streets, and then in ranks, and then I think he played for uh, SUNY Maritime. Really? Yes. Oh wow. So he was. He wow. Was there. That's pretty impressive. Um, it's a West Coast. Where, where's your dad from? He's from. Um, uh, Why well, can't I think of it right now? <laughs> <laughs> Long Island, but uh-huh. uh, I can't think name of the, of the town. The, yeah. Think of, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's interesting. Yeah, that's it. Long Island, another hotbed for hockey. Yeah. No place on Long Island for a Fed team, though. I don't think. No. No. It's it's tough to it's, it's all tough to get there too. It's with the tough bus. to get there. We 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 talked. I to, I I think I've said this on a, an episode before. One time, Herm. Uh, from what I know, one time Herm had did have a lease signed at what is now Northwell Health uh, Ice oh, Ice, ice okay. Center, which is the New York Islanders practice facility at the the original conf, kind of configuration of that place. It was the. Um, it was a project of two Long Islanders, Peter and Chris Ferraro. They played in the NHL, both for the New York Rangers. Uh, one of them got in some games for the Islanders. I think they were kind of like always together. It was a bit of a, a, a thing in the 90s. They played at Maine together. Uh, I think they won the national championship there. Uh, they they played for Team USA together, made it to the NHL together. And they, they were kind of fringe guys most of their career, but they, they definitely got their games in. Um, their family owned really famous surf shop out in Montauk and a couple of other sporting goods stores as well. But they they had gotten into a bunch of things, different businesses, but they ultimately built this brand new facility, which is now the Islanders Practice Rink. It was originally called Twin Rinks. Um, and as a matter of fact, I recently gave Jim Hutchison, whose wife Patricia Hutchison owns the Peach Wave, I recently gave him a jersey of theirs to wear uh, as we play some beer league hockey now, mm-hmm. um, the Ferraro brothers. But they ran into some financial trouble quite quickly, and they had to sell. They sold that property to the Islanders. 
It's a, it's at I believe it's at Eisenhower Park. I think right we there. we played a Hitman used to play them. The I think they were the PAL. PAL Islanders. Yep. And actually, the we didn't have a bus the one time, so I had to drive from New Jersey there, and it was a long drive for a Floridian. <laughs> well, that's really what ultimately kind of luckily it was kind of like something where I think her in the end Herm was kind of happy they didn't do the deal. It's first of all, it's a really expensive place to live. I I only God only knows where the guys would have had to live on unless you're like unless the team was. I, Kind of like a situation where, unless the team was so far out east, yeah, that like that essentially you were f- so far from the Rangers and Islanders, and and you were kind of like in seasonal housing or something, uh, it, it might have worked. But ultimately, the traffic alone on oh, the yeah. LIE, it'd be impossible to like get there for a 7 p.m. start. Let's say the league was just in dry; everybody was just in driving distance. I mean, like you'd try and get there a little before the game i guess on friday and uh, you probably wouldn't go thursday to stay the night yeah. over in a hotel so like i said it would be and it, it was babylon it's the wow, it's babylon the, yeah so that's why there. i was drawing a blank there <laughs> so what i was going to ask you was when you were growing up was there where, where did hockey get into your life you know um so obviously my dad grew up with it my dad decided to bring my me first to uh, Panthers practice, um, and I was able to see uh, Roberto Luongo and just some other big names there. And I mean, I fell in love with it right off the bat. And then basically, he's like, "Oh, let's just take him out skating." So at first, I wasn't a big fan of skating. Um, <laughs> we would do public skating, and I didn't really want to get on the ice. Um, but then over some time, I started to enjoy it. And then my dad threw me in uh, some pickup <laughs> games and started playing out. I was terrible. I was probably the worst player ever, um, and I wanted to play goal for a really long time. And my parents were like, "No, no, you're not. You're not a goalie. Too expensive. I was crazy. Say no, yeah, no, you're not not happening." Um, and then finally, I think it was, I think it was like six or seven or something. I was terrible. I, I couldn't score. I just didn't do much. I was a defenseman too. Um, yeah. And my dad made a bet that if I score three goals in the season, that he'll let me goalie wow so i went out first game and scored three goals <laughs> wow and so my dad had to suck it up and buy me gear That's and funny. told told the coach said hey let's make sure he's never goalie again scare him a little bit so he came down and this guy's uh he played at uh babson wow uh came down took a slap shot from the hash market a seven-year-old kid sm- hit me square in the face uh and i smiled at him when he did it and the coach went over to my dad and said, you have yourself a goalie. Uh, there's nothing you can do. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> so there, it started from there, and this is where it's led me. Wow. I mean. It's got to be all the equipment and stuff when yeah. you're a kid and just the look oh, of it. And Luongo was kind of a – you a Panthers fan? Uh, Yeah, I would say I'm a Panthers fan. Um, I don't follow the NHL too much, but I, I definitely enjoyed watching them. And obviously last year with them and being close to winning the Stanley Cup, I was cheering for them. Yeah. Yeah, like I, I kind of remember when the Panthers first started and they had their first run. Oh, yeah. Uh, way back in the day with Van Beesbrook and all those guys. And through the years, I always said, and they, they've done well, you know, the last few years, obviously, but it's just like one of those things where you say to yourself, like, um, the, the, I, I, listen, the Panthers and the Arizona Coyotes, listen, the quality of life in those places is pretty good. Like, most people like it. I'm not a, really a Florida guy. I like it. 
I, my brother was down there for years. I could, I, I, there are still, quite frankly, there are places I'd like to go to eat down there right yep. now in my mind. But the truth is, is like Arizona and Florida, man, like it's, it's a nice lifestyle. The climate in, in Arizona is like, it's, it's the dry heat. You know what I mean? Like I it's hot, that. but it's like, oh. it's still a nice place to live. And then, and then Florida, man, like, you know, you're, you're, Basically, the Panthers, they're in Sunrise, but it's a Lauderdale yep. area, basically. You know what well, I mean? Well, they just moved. They just built a practice facility in Fort Lauderdale. Yeah. So they just moved over there. So that's, I'm kind of kicking myself over that because I used to drive 30 minutes to the rink every day. Wow. And then I was playing in Miami for a little bit. So that's an hour drive without traffic. With traffic, two and a half hours. Yeah, yeah. So. The, um, I, I always said that I think that Lauderdale, you know, listen, everything is an incarnation of what can be done at the time that it can be done, mm-hmm. right? So, like, you look at a deal like the – first of all, they played, I think, in the Miami Sports Arena for a couple of years yep. when they first started, and then they built that place in Sunrise, which I have a gra- – have I told you that great – have I told that story before about the tickets? No. So years ago, uh, I was with an ex of mine, and we went down to visit a cousin. And I was a big hockey fan, you know, big fan. And uh, we went – we drove up to the Florida Panthers game. And I don't know, you know, I was working a job and all this, and I'm on my vacation with my girl. I don't want to be bothered with half anything, you know? Yeah. So I was like, Fuck, forget it. I was like, I'm going to buy tickets from the scalper. Oh, right? geez. So I go up to the scalper, right? And the guy, and like, I'm thinking, oh, he's like, you know, good tickets. Da, da, da. It's going to be, you know, probably 75 bucks a piece with taxes and everything, you know? I was like, let me, let me talk to this guy. Guy's like, listen, bro, I can get you up three rows. These tickets right here, three rows from the glass, sixty dollars a piece. I was like, ah, oh, you know what? That doesn't really sound too bad. I'm thinking New York prices, right? Like, I think of the last time I went to a Ranger game, I had like a hundred and fifty-five bucks, and we were like in the nosebleeds, like oh, with yeah. taxes and fees and all this stuff. Yeah. So I'm thinking sixty bucks, three rows from me. Shows me the tickets. It's like, I'm looking at the the number and everything. I was like, yeah, that's that. Like, I looked at my phone. I looked the seating chart up, like, right there in front of him. I was like, no, oh, he's, if they're real, I'm like, the guy wouldn't be, I'm like, the guy wouldn't be standing. They, they weren't. The guy wouldn't be standing out there if they were fake. Yeah. He wouldn't be standing right in front of the place yeah. and run away. With, like, like, he didn't look like a crackhead that needed a, you know, God forbid anybody that's a crackhead, but, like, he didn't look like the type of person that needed $120 so bad that he was just going to try and rob me right there, right? There were other people standing around him. So I give him the money for the tickets, right? We go, we walk right in. The tickets are good. We walk right into the arena. We go down to the seats. The seats are fantastic. It's unbelievable. Still, the best seats I ever had for an NHL game. And I gotta be honest, the crazy thing about it, it was a this. Listen to this. I went to two games two years in a row. Florida Panthers. Right. First year, it was the Florida Panthers versus the Atlanta uh, Thrashers. Yeah. Right? The yep. second year, it was the Florida Panthers versus the Winnipeg Jets. The same exact guys in a different <laughs> uniform because yeah. Winnipeg played in that division yep. for mm-hmm. a couple of years after they after they took the uh, Thrasher spot. They played in that division. So right. I'm, it was the first year versus the, the, the uh, Thrashers, right? I, I keep trying to not say Trashers, right? Thrashers yeah. and Trashers. So I get down there and I got the tickets and I'm feeling like a million bucks with three rows from the glass, right? And 
there's nobody here. I'm telling you, there's like 8,000 people at this game. Mm. Like, there's not even 10. There's all, I'm in a row that's like empty, right? We're, we went to like the middle so that we could kind of be at center ice, the end of the row, right? But in front of us, there's this dad. And he's like, it's crazy. Like, he's just standing up during the game, drinking a beer because there's nobody around. It was crazy. And he has like five, ten kids with him or something like that. And he's Canadian. He starts talking to us. He goes, hey, where are you from? Right? And uh, we're like, oh, we're from, you know, we're from New York. We're here down here to see the game. And uh, we start kind of talking about how there's nobody there. And I was like, yeah, there's nobody here. We just bought tickets outside. He's like, yeah. I bought tickets. Remember, this guy's in the row in front of us, and he's got like 10 kids with him. He goes, yeah, you never believe this. I bought my tickets on this StubHub, you know, Canadian, StubHub.com. Huh? <laughs> oh, oh eh? you can tell me about this, yeah. He's like, I got my tickets on this StubHub.com, eh? For $5 a piece? $7 oh, a ticket. Yeah. The guy had 10 tickets. He and there was seven. It was crazy. I was just like bucks. looking up in the sky. I'm just like, he's literally got ten tickets in the row in front of me for seventy bucks. <laughs> it was crazy, man. He like literally said, "Ah, we waited out in the car, eh?" And I just bought it on my uh, cellular. <laughs> and I was just like, "This is this is." Well, for the longest time, too, the uh, Florida Panthers, when the, they played the Montreal Canadiens, there would be more Montreal Canadian fans than Panthers fans. Oh, I believe no. in the stands. So the so the one. Guy sitting, so the one guy sitting behind me was definitely from New York. You could tell he was from Long Island or something like that. And he was with his girl. And I just turned around to him and I was like, dude, do they ever get any fans here? He says, yeah, when the Rangers come. <laughs> you know, like it's like, so, so that's the thing. It's like, but what happens is time passes. The Panthers make the playoffs again. Yep. They, they got real fans again, I'm sure. Well, you heard the story behind the Panthers with that the famous story the, with the rat. No, oh, yeah. Yes, yeah. yes. I had actually my first paint job was with a well, my coach called me a wizard because I used to make crazy saves out of the blue. Oof. So I had a wizard on the top of my head, and then on the right side of my head was a fish jumping because I'm a huge fisherman. Yeah. And then on the left side was the wizard holding a goalie stick, and the goalie stick had a dead rat hanging from the goalie stick. Like on the, on the end of it, so that was a big thing, and then we still talk about it to this day. Um, <laughs> even with we've seen Van's bees broken, we're like, oh, the rat, the rat. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Like the the culture of a team gets just, especially in the NHL, and like like I said, um, people, it, it. I really respect, and I haven't watched it in a long time, but I kind of really respect what's happened in Major League Soccer over the years, and it's it's. It's been the same thing in the NHL where it's just like there are real fan bases now. It's not just kind of people oh, who yeah. are interested in soccer or hockey. Like, you go to Florida, yeah, I'm sure there's a ton of Rangers fans that come out. I'm sure there's a ton of people who wear their Rangers jersey instead of their Panthers jersey, and they live in Florida on that night. But I'll tell you this. All these teams have real fans now. You know what yep. I mean? Like a real fan base that's been through it, and that's what makes sports fun to me, you know? Yeah, I mean, honestly, like, seeing a game down there, that, that just sounds like a blast. To oh, me. it's, yeah, great. Um, that and then, you know, kind of tracking back to you with Arizona, I mean, I, I've only been there once for like a week, 
That was that was fun. I I want to go to a game there so bad. Just, like currently though, I wouldn't. I don't know if like if they ever build something big, if I would go or not. But like to see because that's kind of like a Danbury. You know what I mean? Having everything that close and for what it is. I don't know. Listen, I think I that they I think that they are trying to mold the Panthers into like a Columbus. Like the they're the NHL team that's in a big college town that doesn't have the NBA, that doesn't have baseball yep. and and they're going to they're they're going to create 15 to 20,000, you know, if they can get up to if they can have 12 to 14,000 fans a night, I'm probably sure it's worth it for them. I think it sounds crazy, but the truth is uh, that's probably a great place to live. I oh, mean, yeah. they all live on Las Olas, that big, right down that street. Oh yeah. Um, so I, oh, there's a funny story behind it, but I've actually been lucky enough to skate with those guys for the last couple summers. So a lot of uh, last year, this last summer, I actually skated a few days with rookie camp with them as a like an extra goalie um, before coming to camp in Mississippi. Um, but there's a funny story behind it. So last year, when I was skating with them, I was, I was. They had an. They usually close it off so the fans can't come in, um, but the fans obviously know it's there, so they'll wait outside or whatever. But for some reason, they didn't close it off the one day, and I'm skating with like more than half the NHL, uh, half the Panthers guys, and then a couple other NHL guys, um, some big names, so Etchkin, Malkin were out there. Oh, wow. um, uh, so it was Barkov. Ekblad and Huberto and these guys were standing next to the glass and I so they go to their locker room on the other side so the fans can't really get to them but I can't get dressed in that locker room so I'm on the normal side where everyone else in the locker room gets dressed so after practice I actually had a really good practice um, I get off the ice and Barkov, Huberto and Ekblad are all standing there signing pu- like a pucks and whatever else they're coming over and my on my pads it actually says Murray on it well, that was also I – mean, maybe it wasn't last year, but it was also the year the Penguins had won with Matt Murray. Wow. So I get off the ice, and they're like, Matt Murray, <laughs> can you sign my puck? And I'm like, no, 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 I'm not Matt Murray. I'm like, I really appreciate that, even thinking that, but I'm not Matt Murray. Um, but And then the guy kept handing me his puck, and I'm like, look, I'm not Matt Murray. He goes, okay, well, you're skating with them, so you, I want you to sign. I'm like, you're going to be the next NHL pro, like all whatever, all like this big guy. And I'm like, no, 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 it's not like that. Like, I'm just their shooter tutor. Yeah. And You're the bullpen goalie. I look down the puck, and it has Ekblad, Barkov, and Huberto's signature. Like. And I'm like, dude, you don't want me to ruin this puck for you. Like, <laughs> this is a really good puck right now. And finally, after, like, four minutes of arguing, uh, I think it was Ekblad turned around and goes, just sign the puck. <laughs> <laughs> so this poor guy, luckily I what I did was I signed Murray with and then, like, kind of scribbled it. So hopefully that guy still thinks it's Matt Murray. <laughs> but there's some guy with three huge NHL guys and my signature on That's it. That's funny. <laughs> That's really funny. That's a rare collectible, though. There you go. You know what it is? like? Uh, there's that – I probably talked about it before. I, I wrote a story once about emergency goalies for the New York Times many years ago. And it's um, – like even a guy that I grew up with, uh, Mike Samella, um, uh you know, everybody calls him Sasso. He he works at a rink. He did for many years. I think he's still there at uh, City Ice Pavilion in Long Island City, Queens. And like this guy is a guy I've known since I was a kid. And he was this guy was playing hockey. He played at Chaminade, um, 
like where uh, I believe Chris Higgins played from the NHL, played at Chaminade, and there's other guys who went very far. I, I, I want to say Commissaric played there too, Mike Commissaric. I'm not 100% sure. But, you know, um, he went from Queens every day to Chaminade High School on Long Island to be like the one of the goalies on the hockey team back in the 90s. And uh, he, you know, I don't think he ended up really doing any college hockey or anything like that, but he uh, he ended up kind of doing some practice, like e-bug uh, situations for the Rangers in like... Uh, limited limited situations like like uh like last year when brian wilson got um sent over to the new jersey devils to have some john marino was doing rehab and they wanted him to start taking shots on somebody and brian wilson from the danbury hattricks mm. got sent into that situation this guy that i know did stuff like that oh yeah like there was like Maybe some guys that were injured with some young well, that, guys. That was what I was doing this summer. And right. This those. is the type of opportunities that go ran, kind of, yeah. hate to say random, but random goalies get, well, you know? It was it was a big opportunity. Free agent goalies. A lot, yeah. of, a lot of guys don't know this yet because I really haven't spoken about much. Um, but I was there as just I. they have a big program for the summer for the NHL guys. There's a lot of NHL guys. And that's partly why hockey's so big in Florida is because so many guys retire in Florida. A lot of big Russian players all go live in Miami, Oh yeah. and then they, they just coach as their part-time thing. Um, but I was just skating there. There was a bunch of top, big-name NHL guys, um, and I was just, over time, just kept skating. Less guys were there, and then more Panthers guys would show up. And then one day I got asked, and I said, hey, can you come a little bit earlier and skate? Because I was skating for like three, four hours with these guys, just taking as many shots as they would shoot at me. Um, and I get on the ice, and a few of the guys get on, like big name Florida Panthers guys, and then like two goalies get on, Bobrovsky and Spencer Knight. And I'm like, yeah. oh, this is weird. Like, why do they need me? There's two goalies. Well, then another two goalies come out, and I'm like, okay, what's going on here? And then another goalie comes out, and then another goalie comes out, and there's six goalies on the ice plus me. And I go over to the goalie coach, who I know I grew up with, he coached me, um, and I'm like, hey, do you guys need me? Like, there's, <laughs> there's six guys out here. And he goes, no, 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 we need you. Don't worry about it. So he, like, sends me to the corner. He's like, just just wait and whenever you need it. When they say get in the net, get in the net. And one of the guys, the rookies, come over to me and go, hey, you know this is rookie camp, right? And I'm like, oh. And I'm like, I guess so. Because I'm wearing a jersey that doesn't even have the Panther stuff on it. Well, Bobrovsky ends up sharing the net with me and is talking to me, having this nice conversation. Um, I do okay. I mean, it's still NHL shots. Yeah, these but guys I, are I NHL, felt, yeah. I felt pretty good with what I did and I went into the scrimmage some of the guys got off the ice early the goalies so then I was skating with them um, and then about a week before Mississippi um, I get a call saying that they uh, Everblades might need a goalie as a fill-in in their oh. camp for a few weeks just because um, their A guys their guys are in the A right now with them Yeah. however so I was going to go there right before Mississippi and then what happened was the Panthers sent their guys down, A guys sent their guys down to the Everblades, and then they ended up not needing me. But just a little helping a guy, helping the team out and just being a practice guy, I almost got an opportunity and a shot in the coast. Wow. Uh, wow that's, that's, and it's it may not be the biggest shot, but it, it's any shot's a shot, no, which well, is yeah. awesome. And that's what uh, I when I talked to Willie, is he said the exact same thing, Brian Wilson. It was 
he said a shot's a shot and that's the best thing I took from his advice was just any opportunity is a good opportunity. I was going to say, with those two stints, you know, in the A for him, especially, you know, suiting up as, you know, a backup for Springfield and even Belleville and, like, those Bridgeport games, right. you know, that's that's still getting up there. That's, oh, yeah. It's a good opportunity. You know, you guys, you're at the age now where you can drop everything and just go down to a skate if they need yep, you. Yep. And, and it's great. There are so many good stories. Um, like, when I did that story, that was like an e-bug e-bug story where it was like I'm kind of highlighting these all these kind of uh, intense situations for e-bugs right but like this is almost another thing where it's like you know goalie's a unique position and like sometimes you need an extra one you mean you almost always need an extra oh, one. Oh yeah. You know we're running a little beginner's adult skate on Sunday night at 7pm uh, at Danbury Arena uh, th this Sunday uh, January 14th so if you never played hockey before, you're just getting into beer league hockey, come down, contact me. But, like, it's one of those things. You need goalies. And there's really, like, I don't know how many goalies fit that description even at the E-League. But I had to go out there and get a couple of goalies that would be appropriate, and those guys are going to come down, and they're going to skate for free like the goalies do, yep, yep. right? You know what I mean? So it's just it's one of those things where, uh, you know, it's it, it's a unique position, and they're with that comes unique opportunities right there's there's only so many crazy guys out there that are willing to get in front of a puck <laughs> yeah and if you think about it right there are so many guys i think i you know matt voidy uh the hat tricks kind of uh you know uh goalie coach and he's the coach of the na3hl hat tricks it coaches all the goalies uh kind of in the in the program and uh you know we talk about it all the time. It's like there's a lot of good goalies right now because there are only so many opportunities for a goalie. Yep. So it's like a D1 goalies, you know, there's could be three, it could be four, yep. but but that's it. You know what I mean? Like, uh, and you're seeing, you're seeing now if you're watching kind of the Instagram of, of the college and amateur and the Fed and all this stuff, uh, hockey. Uh, some of the ACHA goalies are getting called up to the Division One teams. I think somebody did this. ASU, I think it was. Yeah, somebody. ASU, Quinnipiac too. Quinnipiac also, right? And I think there was a couple other schools, definitely D3 schools. And that's that, a that's a thing is, like, they the goalies might not be in the best league or might be in a lower league, but there's so many good goalies out there that they just might not have the opportunity right now. Mm -hmm. uh, Brian Wilson is a prime example he went from d1 and then he went to the coast the sb and the fed and he loved it and he did well in all his leagues but just because he may be in the lower of a pro league doesn't mean he's any worse than or any better than the other guy like yeah. and then he, look he was in the coast this year and did well it's he's, a unique so position it's, it's it's such a unique position and seeing comparing a goalie just by in what league he's in it doesn't you can't really do it it's it's not like players. It's not a one to one yeah, comparison with exactly, a skater. Exactly, that's really, the best yeah. way to put it. It's not a one to one comparison with skaters. It's there's just so there's a there's an excess of goalies, and one of the reasons I think um, you're seeing expansion. It sounds crazy, but on some very minute level, and we can call Billy and Joe Pace, and they, they could weigh in on this. But like, um, one of the reasons you're probably seeing expansion in the Fed is because, on some micro level. There are a lot of goalies, and oh, you yeah. need goalies to play hockey. It's just, just one of those things. Like it's, it, it, it goes beyond. I mean, how many times have have guys gone to skates, 
uh, even like the average person goes to a lunchtime drop-in hockey skate and there are no goalies. It's because it's a it's a hard thing to nail down sometimes. So I think that probably the the, the expansion of college hockey, the expansion of the Fed, and, and even the expansion of some of the club hockey probably shows you that there's an excess number of goalies now. And also you can look in the NHL. Um, how many how many of those guys are older? Like I mean, they I mean they're not lasting super long, but they're they're lasting long enough that there's only two spots on each team. So that holds a spot for 10 years. Bobrovsky, for example, is a prime one. How and you got to remember, um, Americans are learning hockey, too. Like, goalie was always such a tough position to buy all the equipment for him. We're kind of learning yep. in America. You can use used equipment. You don't, like, need a brand. Like, when you're just kind of getting into, you don't need a brand-new blocker. You just need to learn. Yep. And, uh, so I think that's what's – and a lot of the one-on-one coaching that wasn't there 20 mm-hmm. years ago. Yep. Like a lot and of that's it. a big thing with Florida is Florida has a lot of one-on-one coaching. Mm-hmm. They uh, That's a big, big thing in Florida. They don't they don't have as much stick and pucks. And, I mean, they do, but um, a lot of the goalies all have private lessons. They do their hour yeah. lesson once a week, twice a week. And it's a lot of money, but that's they, they get a lot of work done with that on top of their practices. So as we close out the hour here, Liam, why don't you just tell us a little bit about um, where we're into the new year, you know, this we're recording on Wednesday the 10th. What's the vibe been in practice like this week uh, going into the home games this weekend against Binghamton? I mean, I hate to admit it, but uh, the boys have been flying. Um, they've definitely been putting more pucks in the net, so <laughs> I feel really scared for the other team. Um, <laughs> hope, they, hope their goalies are ready. Um, but on a serious note, the – the guys look really good. Um, I'm pretty confident with how we're doing with uh, the last four games now. We've been doing really well, um, and I can only imagine where we're going to go with it. Um, the The locker room's great. The Everyone gets along so well. Um, everyone wants to be here. Everyone wants to win, and that's the biggest thing is culture, and I, I've definitely seen that since I've been here. It's, it's even grown more, um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I feel bad for Bingo, man. <laughs> <laughs> so do we. Yeah. Um, Liam, It's it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. Um, best of luck this weekend. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Of course.